Good morning. Why don't we stand up and greet... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't want to do that? Again? No? Yeah, um, so this whole hike thing, you guys... You know, when we actually start getting the weather that calls for Oak Glen, um, the apples are gone. Did you know that? Yeah. Like, we've done that a couple times to where it's like, oh, you know what? It's so nice out. It's kind of cool. You know, it's a cool, like, 65. So it's cold for us. You know, jacket weather. And then we go up to Oakland. Just kidding. You guys okay? 65 shouldn't be jacket weather, but... It is here in California, right? <laughs> yeah, and then we go up there and like, where's all the apples? Like, oh, apple season was over <laughs> like two months ago. And uh, so that, those, that's our story. That's what we do. <laughs> but we love the little, uh, have you guys had up in Oakland the, um, their like apple pie, but not, not, not just the apple pies, but the, uh, the, like the pockets, Apple pie pockets is what I'll call them. I don't know. What do you call them? Like turnovers. Like turnovers? Is that? Apple dump. Hey, listen, I'm Mexican. I I call them tamales, right? They're like apple pie tamales. Have you ever had those? (laughs) Those are amazing. I remember coming down. um, Excuse me? Yeah. With a fork. With a fork. Yeah. No, just pick them up and eat them. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then coming down, and then this, this one sand, they're, they're like calling out to us. Hey, come on through. No one's here, you know. You should at least pick one of these up. And so we did. We picked up two, took one home, and kind of ate a little bit in the parking lot. And it was like, wow, we should have gotten like all of them. We were surprised that there wasn't a bigger line. I think they were surprised too. And that's why they were telling us, we, we have no idea why there's no line, but come on in if you want to. And then after we left, that's when the, the, the line was like out the door. But uh, anyway, so Oakland, I'm looking forward to it, obviously. Um, <laughs> not necessarily the hike, but the food. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's get into the message here. We're in Matthew chapter 25, and uh, this is part three, so last and final part of Matthew uh, 25. Um, after this, things are going to quickly move toward the cross. And, uh, and so right now you could say this is the last kind of uh, portion in which the disciples of Jesus Christ are being taught by him. And um, we know all the way up to this point, he's talking about being ready for uh, the day in which he returns. And uh, right now in, in this section, this last portion, is when it goes from parables to an actual foretelling of what's to come. So let's, uh, let's read the first couple of verses here. Um, chapter 25, verse 31, which says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Heavenly Father, we want to commit this morning once more into your hands. I know this morning has been prayed over time and time again, and I am so thankful for that. And Lord, we know that the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we pray and we ask for your blessing upon our time in the study of your word, that you would give us understanding, Father, as we see 
what it is that you spoke to your disciples and how it is that you're speaking to us this morning. We ask, Father, that you would open up our ears to hear what you would have us to hear. Open up our hearts to receive and understand what you would have us not only understand but apply to our lives, that we would demonstrate our understanding, that we would bring you glory and we would live with more confidence toward you of the things to come and of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we commit this morning into your hands, Father. We ask your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, there will come a time when the Good Shepherd will judge between those that belong to him and those that have rejected him. Those that don't belong to him are simply those who have not received forgiveness, salvation, uh, grace that is offered through Jesus Christ. Those are the ones who don't belong to him. Those are the ones who have simply rejected him. Jesus told the parable of the weeds, also known as the parable of the wheats, wheat and tares, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. And then Jesus explained the parable, that parable, in the following verses, in verses 36 through 43, which I, I would like to turn to because this is, this is all something that we're building up to. I want to make sure that we understand this fully as we go into the study of Matthew, the final portion of Matthew 25. So Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going, Matthew 13. And we're just going to the explanation of the parable of the wheat and tares, or the parable of the weeds. So, verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed... I'm sorry, and the good seed is the sons of the, of the kingdom... The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Again, I want to read these, this to you because I believe that this will help us understand what we have before us this morning. The parable of the weeds was a story that illustrated a reality among the people of God. That among them are found those that are not genuine believers. I... We'll never assume, and, and you know, if, if you've heard me teach for any length of time, you know that I'm never going to assume that everyone that gathers together on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, or any time we gather together, that everyone is, is a genuine believer. I know sometimes we may think of, a, of religion. We may think of the things that we should do in order to make our lives better. But that doesn't necessarily mean salvation, And so that's why what we need to, at some point, come to understand is that there's really no religion that can save us. There's really no act of kindness that will get us across and into heaven. That won't do it. 
It's actually a relationship with Jesus Christ, understanding, really, are we, are we genuine believers in Jesus Christ? Do we know that a relationship with Jesus Christ is one of surrender? It's not one of doing, but it's one of surrender, one that I completely give over my life to the Lord that I may gain it. I confess my sins, that is, I agree with the Lord that what I've done is offensive to Him and falls short of His standard And therefore, I fall short of reaching heaven. And we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I remember the moment that I came to realize that. You know, and and it wasn't because I was stupid. It was because I was ignorant. I just didn't know. And then when it was explained to me, and I saw it in Scripture, and came to know, I realized I may have been in churches my whole life up to that point. But I was not a genuine believer. I was not someone that, that I could say, I definitely know that I certainly have the hope of eternal life. It's right, I'm competing with hey, the U version. <laughs> so, um, so that's why we come to this and we go through a parable such as the parable of the weeds that Jesus taught. And it should serve us. It should, should serve the church, those who are gathered together in fellowship, to realize, do I truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do I know salvation? Or, or is it something else that I'm being deceived and fooled with? Because among the believers are those that are not genuine that are just playing church, or saying they're Christians and yet living like non-Christians. Really, that's nothing. That's not a surprise to the Lord. It should be a revelation to us, something that's revealed to us. Oh, you know what? That does describe me. I'm not that person who is genuinely and sincerely and consistently walking with the Lord. Why? That means that there's something wrong with the heart. I want to first tell you that salvation like I said before, is not determined by good deeds done toward others. It's not that. Salvation is a free gift provided by the Father through the Son, dying on the cross and shedding His blood on our behalf. Our salvation comes through belief that Jesus is the Son of God and died on our behalf and rose on the third day and today sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for you and I. Do you believe that? Both the parable of the weeds and this final judgment of the nations we have before us is illustrative of the fact that intertwined we have genuine believers and false believers all gathered together. The sincere and the insincere. And since we cannot discern the intents of the heart, it's not for us to judge who is and who is not sincere, but we sure can inspect our own fruits in our own lives. We sure can. And see, here's the thing is, You know, uh, the world will quote this one verse, and it's their favorite. What does the world say? Judge not, lest you not be judged. They'll even put it in the King James Version, you know? (laughs) Right? Judge not, lest you not be judged. If you read it in context, it doesn't mean that we cannot hold each other accountable. It doesn't mean that. It means just uh, just take the big old huge telephone pole out of your own eye before, before 
you help your brother or your sister pull the speck out of their own eye. You understand what I'm saying there? That would be a sorry friend that never tells you that you have a something in the eye or something like on the side of your face right here, right? You have something right here. <laughs> That's a good friend, right? You know, you have this big old thing on your tooth right there after eating salad. <laughs> That's a good friend, right? Oh, you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you that's what I see. I don't know. It could be maybe your tooth is messed up. I don't know. Right? I have no idea. Let's now turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff, he will burn with unquenchable fire. Um, These words are great lessons to bring us into what we have this morning. Through these words, the parable of the weeds and Jesus' words here teaching his disciples, there is ample warning and instruction on what a genuine believer is and what one, what a non-genuine believer looks like as well, or a non-believer. One who is playing the part and one who is the genuine. One of the things that John the Baptist said when he was rebuking the Pharisees that came to him was that they should bear fruit in keeping with repentance. A life that reveals or bears the marks of someone who is truly forgiven and lives abiding in the branch, bearing a like fruit to the one whom the person is attached to. That kind of fruit. For us this morning in our study of these verses in Matthew 25, this fruit referred to serves as evidence of a people who are truly God's. And even defines those who are genuine believers and those who are not. Compassion is a word that comes to the surface. As I was looking through and I was looking at the The three things that are really defined here before us, I was thinking, this is a compassionate heart. This is one that cannot turn away from someone who is in need. Compassion. Because we know that God's people are compassionate people. I've seen that throughout the body. There have been various needs within the body that I've seen you come through for each other and serve each other in ways that illustrate this very thing, a compassionate people. 
This is not a parable that we have before us. Keep in mind that Jesus had been speaking in parables about the judgment to come, what the signs of the last days would be, and to watch for them. And then Jesus was giving them parables that urged them to be ready for when the Son of Man comes back, when Jesus comes back. Jesus told them, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect in Matthew 24, 44. And then in the following verses, in verses 45 and 46, Jesus refers to the faithful and wise servant who is ready for the master's return. We've gone through this. And so we're building up to this very portion of Scripture. In Matthew 25, 1 through 13, Jesus gave them the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. Five had their torches ready for when the bridegroom came, and five were not ready when the bridegroom came. In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, Jesus gave them the parable of the talents, the entrusting of the talents to three servants, one with five, one with two, and the other one with one talent. The two were faithful in doing something with what was entrusted to them. The one was foolish and unbelieving and did nothing with what he was entrusted with. He was not ready for the master's return. I explain this because as we continue this morning into the section, we can clearly clearly see how it all fits in and leads to this very moment when Jesus is teaching about the day of separation. A day in which the nations will be separated and grouped up by the Lord Jesus and before the Lord. At this point, we see all the peoples of the earth gathered before Jesus, and this is described as a time in the future after Jesus' second coming. And so all the nations are gathered together. And this is what defines, and we see in the genuine, in what is not seen, in the one who is not sincere and not genuine. Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 and 31 says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And then we see this. A couple things to note here is that Jesus was in his final week. Just keep that in mind. Sometimes we lose it as we kind of section off our studies. You know, he's in his final week. He only has a few days before he goes to the cross. Everything that Jesus said is important, but there is an emphasis that we can see here. The last portion of his life. He's about to leave, but he will be back. Jesus also had before him a group of disciples that had been with him throughout the past three years. They've been taught by him. They've seen his miracles. They've seen his compassion. They've seen how he deals with other people. They've heard his words. And these disciples have been taught to discern what is genuine and what is hypocrisy, what it looks like. But they themselves will be tested in just a few days and in the years to come. So Jesus is teaching his disciples when the Son of Man comes, 
He will be sitting on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered together before Him for a sifting and a separation of the people. One from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Jesus is giving them an illustration that should paint a clear picture in their minds and ours today of what He is explaining to them and us today of a day in which the nations will be separated, the peoples. By the way, this is not the great white throne judgment. And I'll make that distinction real quick. It's not difficult to make because there are several things that we can see here that tells us that it's not the great white throne judgment. Number one, it's where it happens. The great white throne judgment in Revelation takes place in heaven. This is on earth. Um, The great white throne judgment only involves those who are not written in the book of life. Uh, What we have before us are all the groups of people, right? So we see those things before us. And so it is not the great white throne judgment. There's another thing also, and I didn't want to miss this, that's why I had to take a look, take a peek, and and that is that the great white throne judgment happens right after his millennial reign. And so therefore, this this is not yet there. We're not yet there. And so this is in preparation for his millennial reign, but it happens on earth, and it's not the great white throne judgment. So just wanted to make sure that we pointed that out before we continue. You might have had that question as you... You know, you're going, jot it down. Is this the great white throne judgment? No, it's not. This is something else. Let's take a look at the sheep here. Verse 33. says, And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, the right hand or the right, um, that refers to a place of honor, whereas the left, or the left hand, refers to a place of disgrace. To the average person from a distance, one could not make out whether it's a a sheep or a goat from a distance. Don't know. It's up on the hill. They just look like animals to me. They may all be sheep. They may all be goats. Don't know. But it was common practice in those days for a shepherd to separate the two groups. Uh, I thought it was interesting that um, sheep are more resilient, and so they can take the cold a little bit better, whereas the goats cannot. And so they needed to be separated and tended to a little differently. Um, We know that lambs, because of their wool, have a a higher value, have a greater value, um, whereas the goats don't have that value. But this is more than that. I know sometimes the commentators, they throw these things in there, and it's like, well, that's interesting information. And for us, we know that we're precious in the eyes of the Lord. The point here is the separation. 
of the sheep and the goats. And we're always referred to as sheep. Now, don't think that that's a great way of being referred to. Because if you've ever owned one, you will know that they are not very sharp. But they sure do come to the master's voice. They do. We, we had one, so we know. The one who fed, the one who tended, um, little Molly, um, she could hear my voice from across the backyard. And we have, like, a big backyard, and she would come running. So we know. But, but, but she wasn't very smart. <laughs> not, not at all. For those who were gathered together as a shepherd's sheep, he, the king, says to them, notice that Jesus refers to the Son of Man coming. The nations gathered before him. He is sitting on his glorious throne and now refers to himself as the king. So we know he's the good shepherd, right? But he's referring to himself also as the king. And all the nations are gathered before him, so he is bringing judgment upon them. And also speaking of himself as the son of man. And so the good shepherd, the son of man, the king says to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So how is it that the servants of the master who had been given the five and two talents were rewarded for their stewardship? You remember that? Because of their belief and true understanding of their master. Well done, good and faithful servant is what they heard. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So this can be one of those ways in which these talents were given to the servants, the things that they were entrusted with to bring glory to the Lord, and these things that should be multiplied for the glory of the Lord, the Master, the one who has entrusted these things to them, demonstrated by a people who are compassionate and reflecting the love of Christ to those in need, and in so doing, it was being done to the Lord Himself, and He sees it all. I've given you so much so that you may bless others around you who are in need. What are you doing with that? What are you doing? Are, are, are you sensitive to that? Are you, are you paying attention to what's around you and those who are in need? Are you doing anything about it? What, what's your heart like? And Jesus gives them examples of people meeting three basic human needs. Food, Shelter and companionship. I know that we can give all kinds of examples. We can go through and in all of these things, you know, when did we visit you in prison? You know, see you in need. And, you know, you, when were you naked and we clothed you? You know, you guys know. These are plain words. I thought, how can I expound on that? I mean, this is, right? Is it plain? It's plain. It's plain as plain can be, right? When did we do these things? When did we see these people in need? It was you? No, no, no. As you do it to the least of these, you do it unto me. Just basic human needs. This is not just to those who are called brothers and sisters in Christ. Although, let me tell you this. You know, sometimes we're so inclined to go out to the world and tend to the world's needs, right? 
that we miss the needs within our own fellowship. Because it says this in Galatians 6.10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Right? Especially to those, like, here's a family. Let's tend to the family first, right? Let's make sure, or not, not first. Let's especially pay attention to the family and to those who are in need within our community. It's not either or, it's and. Now, one of the things that I need to make sure to be very clear on this morning is the fact that Jesus is not saying that this is to be the church's focal point. No, not at all. That which is emphasized within a church in order to be, quote-unquote, a good church. But rather, this is part of the fruit produced by genuine believers, compassionate hearts towards those in need. What am I referring to? The social gospel. Is no gospel at all. <laughs> it is any time you, you want to stick a, a word in the front of gospel, it's just the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost. All of these things are a fruit, uh, come as a result of getting the first part right, of responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is the making of disciples. Disciples are believers and followers of Jesus Christ who learn how to reflect the love of God toward others and live lives that glorify God according to the Word of God by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is telling His disciples these compassionate acts that came from genuine hearts bent toward God because of the salvation that is known in them is evidence of those that belong to the Lord. That's what it is. And there's a place for them in God's kingdom. Prepared by Him from the foundation of the world is what Jesus was telling them. There's a place prepared for you. And it's been prepared from the foundation of the world. It's for you. And so we have this distinction that the Lord is teaching His disciples. There's the sheep and then there's the goats. This is what demonstrated a heart that's completely surrendered to the Lord. And He, and he Gives it all, lays it all out. But then we have the goats. Verse 41, as we continue, then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they, will, they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We need to um, also notice that both groups were kind of surprised, right? They weren't surprised, uh, you know, the first, as we, as we looked at the group that was separated as a sheep. They weren't surprised that they were saved. They were surprised, like, when did we see you in these different ways? 
But they were both surprised. Both of these groups were surprised about hearing how it is that they, you know, missed it. <laughs> they didn't realize that it was that it was it was you. No, no. As you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. But this group is a bit different, right? The first one is like, when did we see you? I mean, we're we're totally thankful that we're coming into your into this place prepared for us from the foundation of the world, but when when did we see you, right? This group is no 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 wait, 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 right? Wait, hold hold on, time out, time out, wait, wait, wait. When did we see you and not do all of these things to you? It's kind of a bit different. It's when you're dealing with the consequences of your actions that you have this kind of response, this perspective, and you're like, hold on, before we go into judgment, can you at least explain to me where it is that I missed it? And all of these things are explained beforehand. You're still living, breathing. Your heart's beating. All of you here, I would hope, has the capacity to choose, to kind of process things and, and, and figure out what it is that you need to do, respond, as you hear what you're hearing. For these people, the goats, it's too late. Even though they're like, wait, when did, when did this, what was going on here? When, who, where, when, right? The sheep were blessed and the goats were cursed. The goats were the ones that demonstrated by their lack of compassion that they had denied Jesus and belonged to their father, the devil, who has no compassion. And only here's how he's described. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. He is the father of lies. He is the one, as it says in 1 Peter 5.8, that he has come to devour. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That is Satan. That is the devil. He has absolutely no compassion. He has no mercy. The, this is what describes him. And the words were heard by them. Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The failure to do these things was not what will cause these people to be cursed. Just like the works of those who did these compassionate acts will not cause them to be blessed. That is, saved. No salvation. It is a rejection of Jesus Christ that aligns a person with the devil and they will be judged for remaining in their sin and be cast into the eternal fire that was prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. The lake of fire, damnation, eternal punishment is not refer, uh, uh, was not reserved, was not put there in order to just dump everyone in there that rejected the Lord. No, no, no. This was for Satan and his fallen angels. And us, as we remain in our sin by rejecting Jesus Christ, go in the same direction. And we do so willingly and with full knowledge when we reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a reception of Jesus Christ that aligns a person with the Lord. And their sin has been judged on the cross. 
and they are deemed righteous before the Father because they are covered by the righteousness of the Son. Now, ultimately, this is where each group will end up for eternity. But I had said that this grouping and separation was not the great white throne judgment referred to in Revelation. This is the time between Jesus' second coming and his millennial reign in preparation for his millennial reign because the final judgment is still ahead. So again, I go back to the question. It's like, okay, so we have all this before us. I told you that there was a point in my life to where I did, I grew up thinking I was fine because I belonged to a family that, well, that acknowledged, that felt like they were a part of a group of people worldwide, a religion that was well-known, And therefore, because of that, and because I just believed in God and went to church every now and then, that I was fine. But it was all ignorance. I didn't know. I didn't know at all. So why is this before us? So the Lord could reveal in our own hearts, and our own lives, where are you in all of this? How is your heart before me? Don't, don't worry about the person, the other person across the aisle here or anywhere else. It's not about them. It's about you. Where is your heart? Is your heart changed or is it still hard? I'm just going to stay where I'm at. That's it. I'm not going to receive the gospel. I don't need that. That's a crutch. Well, it's... It's something that is continually offered. And it's not a crutch. Everyone has a crutch. It's salvation that's being offered. That's why as we read this, as we study, that's why it's before us. It's Yes, it's prophesied. It's to come. The people who are... Are, are in this place to where they're about to go into to this portion can read scripture and they can say, wow, we're here, this is where we're at. And I pray that they will receive conviction and they will be led to the Lord. But what about us today? Is it relevant to us today? Yes, it is. I don't have to make it relevant in any way, shape, or form. It is because it reveals to us where our hearts are before the Lord. Because he wanted to make sure they understood that judgment was coming and justice will be served. Nothing will be left undone and there is always time to repent and receive Jesus' forgiveness of sins and know that you are one who has the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. But only while we are alive. After that, we don't have another opportunity. There is no such thing as purgatory. You will not be able to repent after you die. That will be it. We live, we die, and judgment comes. And so the question is, what does your life reflect? Because that's really the main question this morning. What does your life reflect? A heart that is completely bent and surrendered to the Lord? Or one that is bent and surrendered elsewhere? Whether it be to yourself or someone else or or things, or money, or whatever it is, anything else. 
you got a phone call. We're going to announce at the beginning of uh, service. Please turn off. <laughs> Did you answer it? Yeah. It's interesting, though, that we have things like that happen at just the right times. That should give you a clue sometimes, too, when there's like distractions and things like that happening, that this is a very important message for you to understand. All right? It's by no coincidence that things like that happen. The fruit of repentance and a life of knowing the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Is that what it reflects? Are you compassionate? Because Jesus keeps making the point to be ready for his return. And he makes the point that this is how you demonstrate that you are ready for his return. You know, a heart... Let me just tell you this. I'm going to just speak to you about some things that are that are very everyday. Very everyday for you and I. We are confronted with situations in our relationships with other people all the time. And I am truly saddened when you, my brothers and sisters, do not consider the Lord in the midst of of those situations. When you have a situation in your relationship with your spouse or with your children or with your brother and sister in the Lord and instead of fixing it you look the other way or remain with your stubborn heart. That by the way is not a reflection of the Lord. That's a reflection of a heart that is completely rebellious. You should have fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, we should be quick to when things are revealed and are brought to the surface, Lord, I am so sorry I have sinned against you and you alone. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I will do anything and everything I can to make things right with that person that I've offended. It requires humility and it requires a complete surrender to the Lord. Are you reflecting that church? I, I, am, I implore you, be ready for his, for his coming, for the Lord is coming. He comes as a thief in the night. Are you ready? Is your, are you full of the Holy Spirit? I pray that you are. And I hope that that spoke to whoever needed to hear that. Heavenly Father, I pray that we humbly come before you right now. I pray that we are willing, Lord, to confess our sins to you. To repent and And Lord, to just surrender our hearts to you, Lord, that we may walk in your ways and reflect a character that is fitting for a follower of Jesus Christ to reflect toward others. 
I pray, Lord, that if something was revealed this morning to us personally, that is not fitting, Father, that we would ask for your forgiveness and turn from that. I also pray, Lord, for those, for anyone here, who in the teaching and the going over of this section of Scripture has realized that they have never surrendered their lives to you, they have never asked you for forgiveness, never asked you to be Lord and Savior, that today be the day of salvation. Because we know that your word tells us that at the point that we confess our sins to you and believe that you are the Son of God who is buried, crucified on our behalf and buried and on the third day rose from the grave, then then the Bible tells us we shall be saved. For with the mouth we confess, with the heart we believe, and we cry out to you, forgive us, Lord, for we have sinned against you. Please save us. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here in that place, Father, that you would move them, Lord, toward you. Draw them unto yourself. And I pray, Lord, that they would surrender to you right now. And so we thank you, Lord, for the love and grace that you have toward each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for being faithful and trustworthy and loving us with an everlasting love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.